Over the years, if you're like me and you've been in church, or maybe you're visiting with us for the first time and we're glad to have you here, but if you've been in church, you know, over the years, or you've been in Christian services over the years, you probably have heard a man or a woman that's leading say something like this, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, right? You may have, some of you may have heard that recently, you may have heard it in this church before. Well, while that is absolutely true, it is absolutely true for the purposes of our message series this month. You've got to know something. God is better than good. He is holy. And we'll use that idea to preach these series of messages. Knowledge is meant to lead to application. Amen? And the knowledge of God, as we get to know the characteristics of God and understand more of who he is, that's when we can relate to God and line up with who he is. But see, we often think of good in worldly terms. We, we think of good in worldly terms, and to think of good in worldly terms is to think of good that has room for fault or error. How y'all doing today? We doing good. Now, what does that mean? We all say it. If somebody asks you how you are today, how are things going, we say good. Now, if we say good, if this means that we are without any want, without any need, if, if everything is just fine, uh, if we don't have any aches or pains and we have no desires for anything else in our life and somebody asks how you're doing today, then by all means, you go on and tell them good, right? But usually in the worldly sense, that good is almost all pretty good, but there's room for error. And so because things are not too bad, we tell people that we're doing good. So we don't use good in the godly sense. I mean, you get this. It's not God's goodness because God's goodness is not the world's goodness. God's goodness is perfect. It's, it's all light, no darkness kind of good. If God's goodness were like the goodness that we know in the world, then God could be late. God could let us down. God could get emotional and lash out. If we know goodness in the world and we assume that that would be the goodness of God, then, then God could, could have a bad day. So the goodness of God finds its base not in emotion. The goodness of God finds its base not in worldly culture, not in circumstances. The goodness of God finds its base in his intrinsic characteristic called holiness. Holiness or holy describes God's creative force, describes God's perfect nature. He is the one, the only one, to whom all others must conform. And he, being holy, is the one, the other, or the only one, by which all others can be transformed. This is the holiness of God. Lord, again, make it plain to us. Give us focus and attention. But I pray, O oh God, that we would study today who you are so that we may become more like you. And Father, if there is one or many that doesn't know you today, and Father, they're here seeking, or maybe they're just here, I pray that your spirit would guide into truth away from ourselves and towards your righteousness, righteousness and holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Holiness is a characteristic of God. It is a characteristic of God. It's a characteristic of God that all Christians believe. But why do we believe it? Why do we believe that God is holy? I don't, I don't know about y'all, but when I was in high school, the next guy moving in was the best athlete God ever created. He can throw a strawberry through a battleship. Man, you ought to see him. He's coming from so-and-so. He can leap over a building with a single step. He's going to be awesome. Yeah. 
Believe it when we see it, right? We can't, we can't know and relate and respond to that until we, it is revealed. And where we come from, it was revealed and it was lackluster, let me tell you. Underwhelming. But every, it was always the message of that someone is coming. Listen, once it's been revealed, then we can relate and respond. God's characteristics have been revealed. And we're going to talk about how we know that. When studying God, how do we know who he is and what he's like? When we see creation, when we see creation, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. What this means is if all we had was the heavens, all we had was the sun, the moon, and the stars, the clouds, and the sunsets, and sunrises, if that's all we had, we would know that God has the power and holy power to create, and he stands alone. But did you notice what happened after I mentioned creation? Did you notice that I referenced the scripture as I introduced creation as being a part of revelation? Then I went to the word of God. While creation and history and how God has worked through history, while that is general revelation, specific revelation means that we don't have to deduce what God is like from creation or looking at history. Specific revelation reveals who he really is, what he's about, what he wants, and what he wants us to do. That is specific revelation. Now, Christians, this is Discipleship 101. If you believe in God, you trust Jesus for your salvation, and you believe in the Bible, you should know that God reveals himself specifically through the Word of God and the Son of God. That's how we know what we know. That's what we preach off of. This is what we believe off of, is the Word of God and the Son of God, as God has specifically revealed himself to us. The Bible says of itself, and by the way, the Bible is where we find the most about Jesus Christ as the specific revelation of God. And the Bible says of itself, all scripture, all of it is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true. God's word teaches us what is, what's right, what's wrong. It goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what's right, and God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We take our cue from living and dying from this Bible. It is the revealed word truth of God. So let's learn a little bit about the Bible. The Bible emerged out of the history of ancient Israel, God's chosen Old Testament people. The words were articulated and proclaimed through the leaders and prophets of God as they were speaking to the world that through his people Israel, there would be restoration, order, and peace and blessing in the world and in eternity to come through Almighty God as God got his message and principles and promises and character through his people. And then came Jesus. Jesus as the prophet, as he upheld the offices that he holds, which is prophet, priest, and king, as prophet, he was claiming and fulfilling that he was that way to peace and blessing and order and restoration. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He was crucified, dead, buried, and then raised to life on the third day. And all of this to prove that his claims as God were true as he defeated death. And then those who saw the risen Savior through the eyewitnesses of them themselves, they then wrote down new revelation of God that we have in the Gospels. We have the history of the movement of the church in the book of Acts. We have letters to the organization that God created called the church. 
We have revelation, which, which shows us what is to come before, it even, uh, before we even see it. We know what's going to happen. And all of this was included in what we now have as the Bible. And we accept it by faith as the specific revelation of God to reveal his characteristics, his promises, and his principles. Now, think of it. A collection of 66 books... 40 different authors across three continents, written over 2,000 years roughly, and one unified story. Y'all, we couldn't start over here and say, we want to, sell this, to give the same message from here to all the way over there. That wouldn't even happen by the time we got out of here. If you're ever in student ministry, we actually tried it. We've done this multiple times. We'll tell somebody over here, we want that person over there, the last person in the, in the row, we want them to understand the message that I gave to you and they need to get it over there. If we passed it person by person, it would be completely different. Yet God, because his word don't go away, kept it together all these years so that me and you, as we're looking at each other, can tell the truth about who God is, what he's like, and what he wants from us. Think of it. One unified story about a Savior and his love. And that one unified story began with a holy God. It began with a God who is the author of all reality, a God who is perfect in his power to create, to give order, to give life. And all of these things come out of him because he is holy. Holy is a characteristic of God because God's word tells us repeatedly over and over he's holy. In the creation account, to the law that was given, to the history, to the, to the prophecy, to the poetry, to the gospels. If you go forward from there to the acts of the apostles and then the letters and the revelation, cover to cover in all of these accounts, sections, and collections, you will read what is revealed to us, which is this. God is holy. And it's a big deal, and we're going to talk about why. In fact, in one verse, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, the Bible says that mighty seraphim and angelic creatures were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Three times, remember what we've talked about in recent weeks, what's repeated is important. Holy, 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 with an exclamation point. This is an emphatic naming of God. And as I study this week, he is never emphatically called like this by any other name except holy, holy, holy. Now, here's something interesting. In John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And I love this. If you go read John chapter 17, you're going to read in verse 20 of chapter 17 that Jesus is praying for his disciples then. And the Bible says he's praying for all who would ever believe in him. Do you know who that includes? If you're in Christ, we looking at each other. That means that all the way back then, Jesus was praying for me and you. Even then. Well, what, what was he praying for? In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed this prayer for us. Make them holy by your truth. Make them like God. How? By your truth. And then he says, teach them your word, which is truth. God is praying 
as he is holy for you and me to be holy. How does that happen? By his truth. If God's word, which reveals to us that God is holy, and it is God's word by which we are made holy. If this is God word, God's word that reveals the, the principles, promises, characteristics of God, and this is God's word by which it repairs us and restores us and reveals us. Y'all, it's a very simple takeaway on the beginning today. We need to stay close to the word of God. We need to read it for ourselves. Don't skip up in here next Sunday, and I'm going to be glad that you came. But you need to read your Bible between now and then. Because we don't need God's Word just on Sunday. We need it daily. Because God's Word reveals who He is and who we are. And God's Word tells us how we can be right with God. They, they haven't believed because they haven't heard. That's why we send missionaries, amen? So that people can hear the truth of God, that on God's terms is how you get saved, that God loves you so much for his glory, he sent his son to live, die, and raise again so that you might have hope of eternal life. This is God's way of being right with him. Where do we get that? We get it from the Bible. As we look at the commandments of God, the principles of God's word, we seek God's word for what's right and wrong. We get that from the scriptures. If we get the, the revelation of God and we get the repairing of God on us, we need to stay close to the word of God. I don't know how to read it. If you're a Christian, that means the spirit of God's in you. Open up that Bible, trust God, and read it. Read it. Just start there. Just start by trusting God. Yes, you need to be in a group so somebody can help you. Yes, you need to be discipled. But just start by trusting God, opening it up. Don't start in Revelation or Leviticus. All right? Start in John. Amen? Start in Proverbs. Start in James. But start. Holiness is, is a characteristic of God because the Bible says so. But here's something we want to learn this morning, that holiness is not just a characteristic of God. Now hear that. Holiness is not just a characteristic of God. It's the foremost attribute of God. Holiness is the centerpiece to understand who God is and what he's like. God's holiness, as one pastor says, God's holiness unlocks the door to understanding and making sense out of everything else about him. Now, here's what's going to carry us the rest of the way. God and his holiness is the stock and the sun. What in the world are you talking about? It may seem somewhat strange, but it makes sense to me, and I'm going to help you as it's helped me. God's holiness is the stock and the sun. Exodus chapter 15. If you, if you would turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15, maybe you have them there as you opened up to everywhere. But in Exodus chapter 15, we, we see a song of deliverance. Songs are written, why? Because something's got to their heart and they want to express it. So they write a song that's meaningful to them. And in Exodus chapter 15, you have a song of deliverance. God has just freed the Israelites. He has freed them from the hand of Pharaoh. He has taken care of his people. Amen. God takes care of his people. And as he has taken care of his people, his people now are expressing their heart and they write a song to sing to the Lord. And within this poetic retelling is a description of who God is and what he has done. Putting together verses three, verse seven is this. He is a warrior who overthrows those who rise against him. Amen. And then in verse two, he says, he is the Lord who is the strength and the song of his people. That's beautiful language. This is telling us who God is. And then 
we arrive at verse 11. And verse 11 is going to ask a question. And it asks a question in chapter 15, verse 11. This question is much like the question you find in the New Testament when the disciples, after God said, hey, that's enough, wind and rain, quit. And it just stopped. They asked the question, who is this man that even the wind and waves obey him? What we have here in Exodus 15, 11 is a rhetorical question. As they asked the question during this song of praise, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Gods is lowercase, Lord is uppercase. Who among you is like the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, the Bible says. Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. The answer to that question is nobody. No one is like our God. I've been encouraged by y'all this morning. The, the first service left, and they were telling me about what they'd read this week and encouraged me with words of God, and I'm thinking, man, that's good. I, I'd like to share all that I just heard from three different people. But one person on the way out said she, I think she, she was reading Isaiah chapter 40, which basically was saying, who, who has taught God what he knows. Nobody. No one. We're the ones that need the teaching. God's never needed to know anything. Truth is in himself. This is, this is our almighty God who is like you among the gods. Oh Lord, nobody, there are no other. And, and so God, as we look at this, this scripture saying that God is the only one and his holiness, God is set apart from all others. As he is the only God, he is set apart from all others. Now, there are other gods that we make them gods. There are, there are ones that we make for ourselves. Some of us make ourselves a God. There are other people that we've made gods. We've made other things gods, but he is the only God. And for him to be the only God means that in his holiness, he is set apart from all others. He is the stock and the sun. Now, let's talk about the stock. God's characteristics are not good and bad. They're just good, y'all. They're just good, which separates him from all others, as we've said. And all of those good characteristics are based on his intrinsic nature, which is holiness. Another way to make this plain is this way. Holiness is the key ingredient to all that God is. All of these attributes and remembrances that you've seen in Exodus chapter 15, either before or after verse 11, they are all out of Verse 11 and the answer that's found there that no one is like you. God is holy. All the other things come out of his holiness. If you go to the beach this summer, and, and maybe uh, I hope y'all don't get to go at the same time because the people that come up from the beach and visit North Alabama on their vacation, I guess they'll be here. But don't go, go to the beach, don't go at the same time. So if you go to the beach this summer, and I hope y'all have a great time, if we go, one of the things we like to do the most, and I wish I could tell you that it's going and surfing and, and golfing and all this kind of stuff. Truth is, one of the things we like to do the most when we go to the beach is go out and eat. Thank you, Greg. Nobody wants to admit that. It's fun to go, it's fun to go out and eat and have a good time. And, and whenever we go, whenever we go, I'm looking for that gumbo. Yes, that gumbo, that gumbo's good. And what, what happens in gumbo is basically it's a soup or a stew. And then you add celery and onions, okra. You add, add a, uh, a roux, which is a thickening agent. I'm going all food network on you here. And then you add like sausage and you can add seafood and chicken. You can add all these things. But listen, all of these things are really just ingredients in a bowl if it's not for the stock. The stock is what makes all the other ingredients make sense. 
It's the base of the dish. And the base makes everything else make sense. All of the ingredients come together in that one ingredient. Therefore, the goodness of God and the power of God make sense because of the holiness of God. The justice of God and the mercy of God, all out of the holiness of God. The truth of God and the grace of God, all find their base in the holiness of God. This is the creative force, the perfect intrinsic nature of the Almighty. The reason we worship God because of all of these other things like mercy, justice, goodness, and kindness, and say that he is all to us is because his base is holiness. Now, please listen to this. What we're not saying is that the other characteristics of God are added in, but that the other characteristics of God are a product of this holiness characteristic, that they make it make sense. All the things that God is make sense to our heart because he is holy. Now on that note, and this is where you've got to take it with you. On that note, it would be imbalanced of us church to uphold one characteristic and downplay another. You've got to hear this today. A word for our time. What do you mean? Well, some of us love to speak about the truth of God. We love it. This world today needs the truth of God. And amen. Truth, truth, truth. If you believe that this world has gone to hell in a handbasket and you want them to hear the truth of God, well, guess what? They also won't have to get the grace of God. Because it goes both out of his holiness. Same thing with grace. God's love. All God is is love. Love and grace. Love and grace. Love and grace. Y'all, sometimes we need the truth. We don't need any more love and grace. Somebody's massaged our shoulders all the time. Told us how everything we do is just fine because God loves us. Well, you can't counsel out the truth of God to claim the love of God. You can't do that either. It's both and. Listen, let me go back to one. If all we keep preaching is truth, 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 and truth, and then we mess up and need grace, the world looking on the outside from the inside is going to be laughing at you. Just going to be laughing at us. Yes, it's both truth and grace. When we go to the restaurants as we leave here and they don't get our order right or they don't get it on time or they've not made it exactly like we want it, what you going to give them? Truth, we're going to give them truth. They ought to be back there working for that dollar and serving us like they know they ought to. Gosh, I'm so glad you never mess up anything. (laughs) Boy, isn't it something? We want grace, but we want to give it out. All these folks we say need the Bible in their life, the Bible's going to lead them to the grace of God. It's got to be balanced, church. In order for us to be a church that represents a holy God, you've got to have truth in one hand and grace in the other. And you've got to know which comes out first and which one's going to follow right behind. This represents who God is completely. There's times for one and times for the other. But you can't champion one all the time and leave another laying down here somewhere. Why? Because we misrepresent the holiness of God. Well, it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. And other stuff is too. That's why we read all of it. Gosh, where am I at? God, as holy is unified 
in his moral goodness. Meaning, out of his holiness, he is always full of truth and grace, of love and power, of of kindness and justice. That's what's wrong with the cancel culture movement. There's no grace in that. There's no grace in that. And both sides do it. You act that way and you're lost in the center. Well, sinners need grace. Both sides do that. There's no grace in that. God in his holiness represents both. He represents justice. Yeah, man, justice, get them. But we deserve justice. So it's both. At least entertain the thought. If we're not balanced in our godliness, we misrepresent his holiness. The, the people that we shout down, do they know that they're eligible for redemption? I just wonder. And the ones that have taken advantage of truth, have we also upheld the truth? Or take advantage of grace. Have we upheld the truth? Or have we made excuses for people around us because we love them and they violate the truth, so we're just going to give them grace without truth? That's wrong too. See, we have to know who God is in His holiness because all these things make all of it make sense. We get truth and grace because out of His holiness, that's who He is. That's what we get. He is the stock. He's also the Son. God in His holiness is the Son. Again, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, it's a rhetorical question. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness. The clear message here is that holiness sets God apart. God is set apart in his holiness. Here's another parallel scripture that will carry us the rest of the way. This is from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. Excuse me for just a moment. The high and lofty one, the Bible says. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this. Listen, I live in the high and holy place. With those whose spirits are contrite and humble, I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. L- listen, we're, we're going to talk about our position. God's word just said that he is high and holy, but he lives with those whose spirits are humble and repentant. So that's good news. And it's also telling us who God is. Because God says of himself, I live in the high and holy place. This is why it's helpful to think of God and his holiness like the sun. As the sun is set apart and set above. God is holy in that he is above. The high place. This is called, this is a $5 theology word. This is called his transcendence. I don't even know if I can spell it. I just told you what it is. This is called his transcendence. His transcendence, when we use that term, it relates to God as Lord, God as King, his Lordship. He is above because he is holy. He is above because he's perfect in nature and all powerful. He is like the sun and that he is above like the sun rules the solar system. God and his holiness are above. He is exalted to a position over us. Some of us need to be reminded of that, me starting with it. Y'all, we need above in our life. That's not something we say amen to because we know we all need it. We need above in our life. We need a boss. We need accountability. We need a check on our ego. We need above. 
We need somebody to tell us we're wrong when we're wrong, to encourage us when we're right. We need above, and that's who God is as he rules in his holiness. It's going to be difficult to walk with God or to be saved when no word or way is higher than our own. It's going to be hard for us. It's going to be hard to get into heaven. It's going to be hard for us to walk with God when our opinion is our favorite. When we think we've got it all figured out. To live that way, y'all. To live like our word and our way and there's none above it that we've learned as much as we're going to learn and nobody can teach us anything else. To live that way is to act like we can create more energy, more light, and more warmth than the sun. That's what that's like. Me and y'all listening? Because I'm one of you. And we can get to pride real quick. Now, men and women both can, can get to pride, but men get there fast. And for us to think that nobody else could tell us anything about how to better our life, even God himself, is to take a position as a man, almost to say to the son, we can give off more light than you can. What are we talking about? This is God. God doesn't have the right to, to get to your every day, to tell you how it should go. God, it's on God's terms that we're saved. We don't get to sit before somebody and tell them how to be saved, not based on God's terms, but what we think. Y'all, this is what we do. We come up with ways that we think is right before God and right to get to God. That is craziness, y'all. How crazy? It's like thinking you've got a better idea about how to be the son than the son himself. I think a word for today could be that we need to tilt our axis towards the son so that he is positioned high above us. Y'all, I'm trying to come up with more illustrations than baseball. That's a science illustration. God lives in the high place, the Bible says. And for us to be right with God, and if he lives in the high place, we must take a low position. This is why we have physical representations of this in the church. What do you mean? What do we teach our kids when we pray when they're little? Let's bow our heads. That's a physical representation of humility. We invite, you, we invite you and all of us to the altar at the end of the service because you don't have to pray on your knees, but you ought to sometime. And I don't mean that you've got to do this at the end of the service, but there's something special about getting to that altar physically and spiritually before God humbled low, low before him just to realize and recognize again for the first time he's up here we're down here what do we do when we sing we stand and sing now some of you can't stand because truly it's it's a it's a physical challenge for you to do so don't misunderstand me that's not what we're talking about if we're able and we invite you to stand we do so because it's an honor it's reverent to stand in the presence not of the church but to stand in the presence of a holy God. He's the Son. He's set apart and set above. It's biblical truth, y'all, that God helps the humble. And we have a hard time with this. I have a hard time with this. It's biblical truth, though, that God helps the humble. If you're here today and thinking you need a new day in your life and you need help and the help of God, that starts with the position that you take. The Scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 6, and he gives grace generously. God gives grace generously. That's a characteristic of his holiness. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace 
to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Now, did y'all see that? The Bible says that God actively takes opposition against the proud. If there's pride in our life, God will set himself against that. There's no work towards his grace or working within his kindness as he makes himself with us in our walk. If there's pride in our life, he sets himself against the proud. He opposes the proud. So humble yourselves before God. Notice in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 that the Bible says that God is with those. He is among those and among those spirits now and in eternity of those who have humbled themselves before God and turned to God by faith in Jesus and who keep on following him. This is the ones that God is with, that God is certain to give favor and grace to those that have not acted above, but we've placed ourselves below. If you are hoping for a new day in your life, you've got to take a new position in your life. There's got to be a new position of holiness, which starts with humility. What does this look like? It looks like when we leave here, begin to go ahead and act like you don't have every answer to every question. When we leave here, you understand that tomorrow you're going to need the same grace. So you bow low and you keep yourself low before God all day long until we get here on Sunday to be filled back up again. You can make a stop on Wednesday night, we'll fill you up. That's, that's what happens before Sunday. So that we are, are filled up with his grace as we lower our position before the Lord. A new day in your life can begin with a new position. God is... Holy in that he is above. God is holy in that he is set apart. Set apart because God has no sin and no darkness. We have sin and darkness. So he is set apart from us. Because of this, his holiness is set apart. In creation of God, the sun, as we are still on this track, the sun is set apart because to be next to the sun and all of its energy would be harmful because it's so powerful. Think of it. If the closer we were to get to the sun, because it's so intense, it would actually harm us in our, our mortality. In the scriptures, this is what we see in the scriptures of those who get close in their mortality to the presence of God. Isaiah, in the presence of God, said, I'm doomed, I'm doomed. Like, I can't be here when you are like this and I'm like this. And then in the Gospels, Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I have seen your hand of power over this water. And he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. As you get close to the holiness of God, it's so intense that our mortality is going to be affected. In the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, there's only one priest that was allowed to go there. And the people outside and near the temple... Because the presence, holy presence of God was there. They had to take very, very, and I'm going to give one more for emphasis and repetition, very careful steps to be near the holiness of God. How dare we skip up on here on Sundays and act like we just do this. This is the holy God we just sang about. The God who is set apart in his perfection that, that we are learning about, that we are gathering together for and because of. It's not a tradition thing. This is because of a holy 
God. And when we realize the holiness of God and who we are, Moses, Moses heard from God at Mount Sinai as God was like, come here, I want to talk to you. And he began to talk to him through a burning bush. And as Moses came to God, because God said so, then God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Now everybody take off your shoes. I'm just kidding. Just a joke. You get it though. The closer The closer we get to God, the more we see ourselves and who he is, and then it takes effect in us. Later, Moses covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. I mean, this, this is the God that we serve, the God that we are thinking of this morning. Now, this is the last page I've got, and I've told you how serious the holiness of God is, but here's the good news, y'all. While God is like the sun and he is set apart and above and he is transcendent, God is also imminent. Now, do you know what that word means? It means that he is involved. Involved. Y'all, as powerful and mighty as the sun is, we still need it. If not for the sun's involvement in creation, this creation would not have life. It would not thrive. There wouldn't be plants growing and green. And you look at the masters on TV and it looks awesome. Well, the sun, because it's involved. You see, just because it is so powerful and excellent and mighty and strong in energy, we still need it. And just as the sun provides light, heat, and energy to make life possible here on earth. God Almighty in His holiness involves Himself with us so that we might have eternal life and abundant life as we live. Why and how? Because He involves Himself with us. What is it that keeps God set apart and involves us, involves Him with ourselves? It's His holiness. His holiness results in him being set apart in who he is and involved with us because of who we are. That is the holiness of God. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. See, God sent that ray of light that is Jesus. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I'll leave you with this, this illustration as we close. Just the other night, our, our daughter, and I, I know I'm going to have to quit talking about my kids because they in here, and once they, they both get in here, then I'm going to have to figure out different illustrations. But man, this was good for me. The other night, our daughter looked at Brittany and me and said, where's my brush? And Brittany said, it's in our bathroom, baby. Just go ahead and go get it. And she said, I don't want to go in there because it's dark. And we were like, well, turn the light on. Light expels the darkness. Amen. Go and turn the light on. You know, <laughs> and what did she do? Praise the Lord. I'm going, no, of course she didn't do that. She said, I it's dark. I don't want to go in there because it's dark. She was, and this makes sense, but she was like, it's dark till I get there. <laughs> yeah, I'll turn the light on, but what about my steps until then? I said, I'll tell you what, let, let's walk in here for just a moment. So I get up and, and walk to the bathroom. I said, check this out. Just a teachable moment. And I said, the Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So I, we walked to the, to the doorway together. I turn, I flip on the light. I said, that's what happens when you factor God into your life. When you factor God into your life, 
The light comes on, it expels the darkness, and now you've got a way. The reason why I can say this to you and make connection today is because God is holy, and because he is holy, he makes a way for us. Praise be to God, King of kings, Lord God Almighty. That there's a way for us to be saved. Y'all, there's a way for us to live without regret. There's a way for us to be forgiven if we have regret. There's a way for us to have new life. There's a way for us if we come in here the same time, same way all the time. We're dragging sin in. Because of his holiness, his forgiveness just keeps on going. Mercy's new every morning kind. Where does this come from? It comes of the character of God. He's holy. He's called us to be holy. And he is why we come in here every week. So the question becomes this. Are you, are you with God? If he's available to you and he is. And I ask that because remember what the scripture says. He is with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. Those who have lowered themselves will be elevated before God for his glory. Let's stand to our feet. Y'all basically what we have at the end of a service is an invitation truly It's an invitation for us to be humble. Did y'all hear that? It's an invitation for us to practice humility. We have an opportunity to, to lower ourselves in a position before God where we bow our heads. Or you can come and just kneel at the altar as a reminder of who God is and who we're not. We have an opportunity to respond in humility. More, more than often, the reason we don't come to the altar, the reason that we don't come and talk to someone about what's going on in our life, or and we know we need to be saved, but we yet to talk to someone about that. Why? It's because of pride. We don't want to think less of ourselves than anybody else. So it's hard to lower ourselves and come and talk to somebody about needing help. That's one of the reasons why we don't do it. It's just pride. And God sets himself against the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Lord, thank you. If you would like more information on Lindsay Lane, you can visit us online at lindsaylane.org or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to what God is doing here at Lindsay Lane, you can text LLBC to 73256. If you would like to know how to get connected, you can text LLBC to 31996 and fill out our online connect card. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next week.